welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. How are you all this morning? I'm over here, it's lovely and cool, I just sense the, the breeze of the Holy Spirit. How are you going in the back corner? Not too warm over there, is it? No, okay. It's either too what Who said it's too cold? You've got a jacket on. Fair dinkum. Hey, what did you say? Too cold. Gee, Michael Ho. Get it right, mate. Poor fella. I was talking to Laura, but who's service coordinating today, um, and she, we, were talking, we were talking about the aircon. We'll just turn one on, not two on. If we turn two on to get the temperature right, we're always going to upset somebody. Hey, give me, give me that jar. That, that's, that's a providence of God. If you feel like you ever want to make a complaint, someone's made me a complaints jar. <laughs> now, <laughs> all complaints must be written on a $5 note or larger. All right? So keep those complaints coming in. <laughs> I might just leave it up here. I just, there we go. Oh, thank you. That's, uh, we were having a good chinwag in our life group on Tuesday night about complaints. Oh, that's, oh it's, it's hot all of a sudden. <laughs> Is that a complaint? Do I need to put something in there now? What do you know? Oh, hey, that was a fluke. Where are we, we going to put that money? That's the question. That's not going into my golf fund. I hate golf. Oh, we'll go to missions. Storehouse. We'll put that in the storehouse. If there's ever an incentive to make some complaints, <laughs> I've just dug myself a hole. You, you. Uh, just remember to send those emails through. Complaints at ireallydontcare.com.au. <laughs> All right, let's get going. Speaking of complaints, have you ever talked to someone that uh, maybe maybe this was once you and you've, you've, you've basically said, oh, look, I'm done with church. Oh, I've had enough of organized religion. You talk to those people? Are you one of those people? I don't really need to go to church. My relationship with God is personal. I love God. It's just his followers I can't stand. <laughs> Have you seen those bumper stickers? Some of you are laughing, but you've actually said that. <laughs> oh, well, the church is a man-made invention. It's not God's idea anyway. <laughs> Try going through the New Testament church and, and, and backing that argument. If you ever want to see the grace of God, oh, my God, look at the person sitting next to you. That's what church is about. <laughs> Emma's laughing real hard right now. Emma, but yeah, <laughs> okay. She's not laughing at her husband. No, that's not why she's laughing. He is God's gift to you, Emma. So what I want to do uh, as I start is I want to ask um, maybe just a few factors that come into our minds of when we think about, oh, I, I don't want to be involved with church. I'm not necessarily just talking about church service. I'm talking about church in general, church community. 
Uh, we're past the fact that we know that church is more than just an assembly, though that's part of it. The bigger picture is God's people is the church. We are the church. So what are some things that hinder us from engaging in church community or church family? Put your hand up if you've got an answer. Yep, thank you. Hypocrites. Oh, yes. Hypocrites. Is that how I spell I've made it nice and big, haven't I? That's not a big one for me. <laughs> hypocrites. It's very true. Hypocrites. The church is full of hypocrites. And there's always room for more. Remember that. Yep. Ooh, abuse. Let's just stick with abuse. Gee, well, fantastic. Okay. What else? To time. Time. Or, or busyness. I'll put busy. I heard that as well. Busy. All right. What else? So what do we... Okay, let's just put money. That's two out of four, Pete. What's going on here, mate? Anything else? <laughs> Music's too loud. Uh, what am I going to put on the board for that? Music's too loud. Can I just put music? Music. I'm running out of space, people. Aircon. Hey, just there's a there's a complaint shower right here. Remember, people. One more. Pardon. Judgment. That's a good one. That came up in our life group as well. Judgment. Another one that came up as well uh, when we were talking was uh, politics. Oh, gee, hit a nerve there. Wasn't a joke. So, um, what if these things, what if these things here, these reasons why not to church, to, to engage with church, or these things that really bug us or they really bother us, what if these were the things that actually amazed us about the church? That God would use this imperfect group of people where abuse happens, full of hypocrites. We've got our reasons for not being involved. We have selfish ambition. We're, 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 we're all creatures of comfort, judgment, politics. What if these very things were the reasons why we would be amazed? That it's through those things, these imperfections, that we could see the grace of God at work. That we could see the love of God at work. That we could see the power of God at work. If you ever want a good picture of what the church looks like in all of its glory, open your Bible, you can read 
the church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians. How messed up was that group of Christians? They were immature. They were selfish. Their theology was all wrong. They were bragging about themselves. They, I mean, we read about sin in the ranks, in church. And God still loved his people. When we often talk about church, it's, 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 it's them. It's that church. It's that group of people. Oh, that's us. It's, it's you and me. Because we at times fall into judgment toward others. Dare I continue? We are always complaining about the music or the volume or the air cons. That was a big one this morning, wasn't it? The air cons. Mm. We at times can be abusive. It's gotten quiet all of a sudden. We are hypocrites. But while we blame shift, we're actually projecting things that are often lying within. And it's okay when we see these things in us. Martin Luther, in one of his books, responsible for the Great Reformation, he, accounts, he recounts one time that he was waking up in the middle of the night and he believed he saw Satan sitting at the end of his bed. And Satan began accusing him of all the sins trying to accuse Martin Luther of all the sins he was guilty of. To which Martin Luther then responded, and don't forget this sin and this sin and this sin, to which all I've all been redeemed of. I'm free from. It's been paid for. So why church? <laughs> because we're fallen. Because we are imperfect. That's the message of the cross. The gospel, the word of the cross, makes us right, not us. Not that we're, we've got the temperature right, or the volume right, or that we're free from offense. It's because Jesus is here in the midst of us. This is an opportunity to not turn our blind eye from this, or exclude anyone that might be abusive or judgmental, but to healthy way, embrace people that need grace. To not empower sin, to critique it, yes, but allow the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. Because I don't, having a look around, I'm seeing a lot of holy people in this room, but I'm pretty confident all of you, including me, struggle with at least one sin. C.S. Lewis says, hey, look, I'm just one beggar trying to help another beggar find bread. He's our daily bread. All we're here to do is point one another to Jesus. So, the church, in all of her glory, the bride of Christ, at times we're twisted. In the flesh, we're sinful. We make wrong decisions. We mess up. I'll be the first to tell you, if I haven't upset you, offended you, or done something wrong by you, give it some time. No, I mean that. I'm not, I'm not saying that you know, as an excuse. I'm, I, I apologize in advance. I'll be the first to tell you. I'm messed up, man. But I tell you what, I know Jesus. And I know he set me free. And I know he died for me. And I'm here to tell you that he loves you. And in family, we're here for one another.
as messy as church gets, and believe me, community gets real messy. In community, there's sin. Leaders sin. I was told a few days ago about a prominent leader in the church over in the States um, having fessed up and coming clean with some sin in his own personal life. How do I respond? Disappointing. I'm disappointed. I'm not going to leave the church and quit church community and I'm not going to do that because my hope's not in a personality. There's no rock stars here that, that, that we're built around. It's Jesus. Remember we read about in Matthew chapter 16, upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus said that, upon this rock. The rock being the revelation of Jesus. Upon this rock, it's on the revelation of Christ, I will build. Who does the building? Jesus. Jesus is building. I will build my church. Whose church is it? His. That's an important conversation around ownership. Because if it's my church, I do whatever I want. If it's your church, you get to do whatever you want with the air cons and the music and whatnot. But if it's his church, we get to do as he leads us, which is what's best for the family. We were never designed to do Christianity alone. God never intended for us to know him by ourselves. Think about his, his whole pattern for discipleship. He called disciples in community. We know this, that from a trinity of persons, a community of persons, Father and Son, by the Spirit, this triune God, this eternal fellowship of bond, peace, love and joy, that we were created from that. We are image bearers. We are created in His image, which is why we're wired for community. And if people upset us and it's going to happen, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, we don't just flip them the bird. We don't just punch them in the nose and walk the other way. We do our very best to work it through. Are there times where it's better and safer for us to not be so close with people? Yes, there is definitely that place, 100%. But we're instructed to, to do our very best to reconcile. We do our very best to live at peace with one another. And that's hard. It's challenging. It's confronting. I won't do a straw poll here, but I reckon there'll be a number of people here, if I asked you to put your hand up and, and you would say, yeah, I've got some problems with people in this room. And that's okay. It's totally okay. It's okay because we've got Jesus as the head of this family, and he's doing something. At times, we're going to have to fight for unity. It's not always going to be easy. Why is it so hard? Well, because other people disagree with us. And we don't like that. They don't think the same. They don't talk the same. And we don't know how to deal with that and contend with that. But it's okay to fight for the unity of the faith. Jesus' key prayer, this high priestly prayer, that they may be one, he prays. That they may be one. And perhaps there is consumerism in the church. It's crept in. We're a highly consumeristic society, particularly Western 
civilization. We are so affluent. We're so, I guess, we're so inclined toward being creatures of comfort that anything that disrupts that comfort threatens us. And so it's almost like we shop around for things and people, for relationships, for jobs or whatever. And it also can creep into the church where we shop around for churches that do it the way that we like. We like the way they do their aircons. We like the way their volume works on a Sunday. We like the way their kids operate. We like their outreach. We like their mission. We like the discipleship. And, and instead of asking God first, where do you want to place me? In what local context? In what local community? In what local family do you want to place me in? We put that on the shelf and we think, well, no, I think it's... And I think there is consumerism in the church, but I actually think the ultimate consumerism isn't going to a church that fits you. Ultimate consumerism is, is walking away from church altogether. There'll come a time in your future, more than likely if you haven't yet already experienced this, where you will want to walk away from church altogether from a collective group of believers. And there are reasons why we want to walk away from that. But the journey of faith and following Christ says, okay, Christ Jesus I know you love me and you've called me to do community well, not just for what I can get out of it, but what I can contribute, what I can bring. I was talking to Bunny, Bunny Lim recently and um, he said one of the key reasons that he ended up landing in our church community was because he said that God challenged him to be in a place where he can contribute and give of himself, to not just spectate, to not just sit on a pew, to not just sit on a chair, but come and be part, to be part of a family. This is a maturity process for us. I've got three young daughters, nine, seven, and the little one's about 28 now. <laughs> She's almost five. And I'm finding that as they're growing, their natural proclivity and tendencies is to, is to get what they want. But as a father, I don't want to just give them what they want all of the time because that's not best for their development. And so to be part of a family, there are roles and responsibilities and contributions. Just before I left this morning, I know that my eldest, Grace, was helping my youngest. And I heard Kylie say, Grace, thanks so much for looking after your sister. Sometimes it might mean taking out the trash. Sometimes it'll be putting the dishes away. Why? Because together, contribution and service, one for another, helps us grow as a family. We actually find ourselves as well in our place of belonging as we contribute. If you're struggling to feel connected and a sense of belonging, give of yourself in some way. Don't just rock up on a Sunday. Give of yourself. Everyone in this room, you have something significant to bring. Something significant to add. So why did he design us as people in such a way that he called us into church community and to, and to call it as a priority? To never, it says in Hebrews, turn our back on the assembling of the brethren. Why did, he do, why did he say things like that? In essence, because we are better together. We're better together. 
We actually are. We're different, but we're better. This church is not the same without you as part of the family. It's not the same. You might feel like no one notices you at times. You might feel like you're looked over, but I'm telling you, even spiritually, we are better because of you. Sometimes it just takes a bit of time for us to get to know one another. Many of you will know me personally. Many others will only know me holding a microphone. But there's more to me than just what you see on the stage. And there's more to the person next to you than what you see on a Sunday. And that actually takes time. It takes time to invest. And community is about life on life, not just showing up. Life on life. Think about the strongest relationships in your life. The best relationships you've got, you've invested into, and it's taken time. It's taken time. And what does that allow? That allows trust to develop. And trust is a very important asset for us in family. We can only ever move forward at the speed of trust. If there's no trust, it's going to be hard to move forward. But the Holy Spirit is here in the midst of us calling for us to let the guard down a little bit and even trust again. Perhaps you've been burnt. I get it. Perhaps you feel like you've been abused. I get it. Perhaps you feel like you've been taken advantage of. What Christ does in the midst of us is he says, with me, we can move forward together. With Jesus, we can move forward together. So three things I want to just leave you with today of why church community is so good for us. The first thing it does, it enhances our perception. It enhances our perception. Do you know that Jesus wants us to know him well? You know that? Not just to know us from a distance, but he wants us to know well. In Christian community, what we're doing is we're pointing one another to Jesus in a different way. And as we look at one another, as we gaze at each other, we see um, a facet of God that we cannot see by ourselves. I'll give you an example. When I look at Bob Stevenson, I see the graciousness of God that I wouldn't have seen by myself. When I see an Yvonne Lim, I see the faithfulness of God that I wouldn't have seen just by myself. When I see Tom Locker, I see the power of God in a way that I wouldn't have seen by myself. When I see Mike Bazidis, I see the kindness and the care of God that I wouldn't have seen by myself. See, when we look at one another, we see an aspect of Jesus and appreciate him and our perception of him enhances. So what happens is clarity increases. Clarity of the cross. Clarity of who he is. Clarity of his very nature. And if I, through offense or fear or whatever it is, I go and isolate myself over here and I've had enough of church community, I'm only going to see Jesus in a certain, through a certain lens. Often, it's through my hurt or pain or fear or reasons, whatever that is. 
But if I can, by the help of the Holy Spirit, in loving community, where there is grace flowing, grow. I can get a bigger picture, an enlarged, enhanced picture of who Jesus is. I want to show you um, an illustration here of an elephant. There were six blind men that had never seen an elephant before. And they went around to the elephant, having never seen an elephant before. They'd heard about this elephant, but never seen it. They wanted to put into words what they believed an elephant would be like. So we had the first blind person hold on to the tusks and said, oh, this elephant, I know what an elephant, it kind of feels like a... Like a spear. An elephant is like a spear. The next blind man felt the trunk. He says, oh, an elephant, it's, it's, it's just like a snake. An elephant is like a snake. Another man felt the elephant's ears, the flappy ears. Oh, it's kind of like an elephant is like a fan. Another of the blind men hit the side of the elephant. Oh, it's, 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 this elephant's like a wall. An elephant's strong like a wall and flat like a wall. Another man that couldn't see was trying to hold onto the leg and said, oh, it's, it's, an elephant is like a tree trunk. The last man held onto the tail and, oh, an elephant is, is just like a snake. Can you see where I'm going with this? We all have certain perspectives of God. And God has made us in unique ways and we have certain experiences We have certain limitations as well. Most importantly, we have the Holy Spirit guiding us to see Him for who He really is. And we have the Word of God to provide the framework to ensure that we're right in that perspective. But when we work together, we bring our collective testimony, our collective experience to have a much bigger and richer picture of who He is. We need each other so that we can appreciate Him better. In this room are so many testimonies, so many stories. And we are making a concerted effort all of the time to keep telling the stories of God because He's good. He's faithful. He's gracious. He's kind. He's caring. He's powerful. You name it. Our God is good. And together, we have an enhanced picture of who He is to know Him well. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's writing this to a church. So God employs church to enhance our perception. The second thing, to encourage our transformation. To encourage our transformation. Encourage our transformation. You know that Jesus wants us to grow well. He's ultimate destination for your life is not just heaven it's Christ likeness he has predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son it's not just about a ticket into heaven he wants to mature us by the power of his spirit that Christ would be formed in us what what does he do To make that happen, how does he stimulate that? How does he provoke Christ being formed in us? 
He puts us with people that rub us up the wrong way. Think about marriage. Have you ever had a disagreement with your spouse? Smart people are being quiet right now. But this is good. This is good. This is good. Because it's an opportunity for us to grow, to develop, to be refined. And, and at times that's really painful. It, 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 it's really painful. Particularly where there's higher trust or higher love on the line, the pain seems even worse. This is why it can be so challenging in church community because there's high trust in this environment. And so when offense takes place, it can hurt even more. You can get hurt at work and, and it may not hurt quite the same, but when it happens in church community, this is why so many people leave and are hurt. I get it. I've spoken to that many Christians that have been hurt. I've hurt a number of people as well. I've got to do my very best to help us see Christ in the process. I get so disappointed when I hear about church leaders and structures and, and it does abuse and it does cause judgment. It happens. But that's because where there is people, there's going to be problems. The church is not Christ, but the church is a reflection of Christ. So we have some sort of distorted reflection of Christ and we're growing in a clearer and clearer reflection of that image. We're becoming more and more like Jesus. And as we grow and as we mature, we are pointing to him even clearer. But what happens when people that are unsaved start coming? What happens with people with baggage start coming? Like all of us at some point. It might mess up the apple cart a little bit. But that's okay. Why? Because we who are mature have grace. We give mercy. We show kindness. We give care. And that's okay. And it's those of us that are more mature that will sometimes have to wear a couple of knocks. Sometimes our pride will be pricked. And humility will ooze from us for the benefit of those that are less mature or yet, yet saved. Jesus, for God's church to shine his light and his life and his love at all times. Nothing highlights our insecurities more than a spirit-led community. <laughs> so when you get upset, before you start pointing the finger at someone else, there may be a time for that, that you need to do that. Hey, I want to talk to you about something. Before you start the finger wagging, ask Holy Spirit, Lord, what, what's happening in me? Why am I responding like this? <laughs> what are you trying to say to me? How can I grow? What's your spirit doing at work within? And once that settles, and you've prayed for the other person, and moving with love, can I just talk to you about something in love? Bring someone else if you need to, and let's bring about reconciliation. My girls, my daughters, they have their moments together. This morning, as I'm finishing my prep, I can hear the next room over as Kylie's trying to bring order to the house. I'm hearing two of them. Go for it. Man, they were going for it in the room. I won't tell you who was the victor and who was not. But I will tell you there was a lot of tears. And after we had the conversation, we brought about reconciliation. They're best mates again. Oh, Lord, if we could just be like kids. 
if we could just be like that sometimes and not be so self-righteous. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? As we invest into relation, as we invest into one another, as we love one another, we change. Have you ever noticed that? The people around you, and as you invest into them, you can see them changing. You know you change too. You can clearly tell I love my kids. I'm talking about them a lot today. My three daughters, man, I've invested a lot into my girls. I love them incredibly. It really hit me hard a few days ago how much I really love my kids and how it's changed me because uh, we now have a, a, a worm cafe in our backyard. Can we show the picture of the worm cafe, please? Do you know I used to laugh at people that had worm farms? <laughs> oh, boy. Sharon Bazidis, this is all your fault. And you know that it is. You know that it is. I was laughing and mocking you. Now look. Every two blinking days, I'm checking on those babies. I'm watering, making sure it's not too warm. There's enough moisture, not too much, not too much water. You don't want them to drown. And now I'm working with my kids. We have Wednesday Worm Day where we put the worm conditioner on top and then we water the... I'm banging my head going, how was this possible? How did I get to this place? Sharon Bazidis. I'm chopping up celery the other day and my four-year-old's telling me, Dad, it's too big. You need to cut it smaller. So now I've got this little bin by the sink and I've got the, the strawberry stumps and the celery and the carrots. No orange, no citrus because it's bad for those silly little worms. And I'm chopping up so finely and then I'm sprinkling it in every few days. And then another one of my kids say, don't overfeed those worms. They can only eat one-third of their size. how bad it is all right all right let's go there some people talk to their worms Sharon Bazidis told me that she talks to her worms hello little wormy how are you today is that true it's true there you go thank you okay I couldn't believe this phenomena I was out in the foyer a few weeks ago and I was talking to Doris Kelso I said Doris you've got worms yeah I've got worms mate not those worms. <laughs> Man, I'm in trouble today. I'm in trouble. Anyway, let's continue. So, Doris, you got worms. You know, Sharon talks to her worms. You know, what Doris says, "Yeah, what's wrong with that?" Doris, you don't talk to your worms, do you? Of course I do. I knew there was a problem when I was feeding the worms the other day. This can't be on the podcast. <laughs> As I'm sprinkling some herbs on those. Do you know what I said to myself? Not out loud, but in my, in my head, I said, feast my babies. <laughs> oh, I need a therapist, man. As, as, soon as, I, as soon as I said that to myself, I thought, I'm in trouble. What have... What, is, what has Sharon done? What have my kids done to me? 
Relationships do that to a person. As we invest in one another, it changes us. It alters us. And for the better, I, I believe in most occasions where, where Christ is at work, we grow. We... And so it changes and it challenges us. If I didn't have a relationship with my kids where love was on the line, I, I wouldn't be changed quite the same because love does that. Love changes us. If I'm in isolation away from church, community and church people, I'm going to miss out on the change in my heart. Give me a wave if you believe you've been changed by church community for the better. <laughs> yeah, you better believe it. Me too. People are really important. The people around you right now, really, the people in your life group, they're really important. God's in the people business, you know that. And we do God's business, which means we're in the people business too. On our deathbed, you know what we're not going to be saying? Hey, I, I want my diplomas. I want my trophies. Bring them to me. I haven't got much long left. It's the people that we remember. It's the relationships. It's those that we love. But somehow the world disciples us away from people and toward things and objects and money. And you know that that's Satan's goal for you, to change you, to disciple you away from people. God is always about people. He's less about structures and systems. We're seeing that with COVID at the moment. What COVID is showing us as the church, a couple of things. It's showing us that these earthly structures are nothing. They're nothing. They're frail. They're fragile. They're vulnerable. They're messed up. These, these earthly structures don't work. These systems, the health systems are collapsing around the world. The government structures are collapsing around the world. And we've got to be careful as church people, as God's people, as the church community, to not try and mimic the world. Our approach is different. We're not top down. We're bottom up as we minister one to another. We have one king, but look at Jesus' model for us. How does he rule us? He, he was born in a stinking stable. And it's a grassroots means of ministry. It's a humbling exercise to serve one another. I reckon across the world, I don't care how you vote, who you vote for, what's happening in this country or that country. I get it. I get it. That we want our policies and our values to be lived out because we believe godly principles and values are the best way to live. That is true. But I'm here to tell you right now, voting a person in or out is not going to bring the kingdom of God. It's not. There's one person that, that rules, and his name is Jesus. How do we see kingdom come? Jesus. Jesus. That's what the church has that the world does not. That's what the church has. So, the final point is God employs the church to enrich our proclamation, this very thing that we preach. What do we proclaim? Christ crucified. That we're different. We don't need to try and be the same as the world. We, we have a different ruler, a different, entirely different kingdom. So I'm not here to compete with the world. It's no competition. If COVID has provoked something in me, 
It's been both passion and disappointment. Passion that Jesus is the answer to this world, but disappointment that in a sense I feel the church has abdicated its role to shine the light of Christ. So that's on me. I'm not getting upset with another church leader or another church group. That's me. That's my part to play. So I, in my way, through my community group, through my relationships, I've got to proclaim that Jesus is the way. When we hear about someone in the family, I just heard this a couple of days ago, talking about how God had healed him from cancer, has had scans and blood counts, and it was just... Days ago that the doctor said, I'm just letting you know, looking at, these, looking at these MRIs, there is no cancer that I could see. We're going to hear that story at some point. I said, I just want, I want doctor certification. Give me the MRI. I'd love to show it off. That's going to happen. What do we proclaim? That our God is good and that he heals and he restores. He died on the cross that we would live. There is no competition. So, the church is here to enhance our perception of Him, to encourage our transformation in Him, and also to enrich our proclamation of Him. Because He wants us to show Him well. This isn't about me or you. It's about him. It's about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. In Ephesians 4, it says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every point with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is how the world will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. John 17, 23, it says, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Unity, unity. I just want to give a special shout out to two ladies, Robin Wiseman and uh, where is my friend Gillian? Is she here today? Wow, wonderful. These two ladies are help. You know what they do? Now, we have a pastor's gathering with some local churches in the area um, and they do a little morning tea for us. And we just pray together. We talk, what's God saying? What's God challenging us with? And, you know, in, the, in, in just this last week, we were talking about knowing him how to know Him, the rhythms of knowing Him well. And I was just sharing with them, you know, I said, you know, one thing I'd love to be doing is I want to get just a little blurb about you and your church community and I want to show it off to my church community and I'll make that publicly available. We're gonna, we've been talking to the city of Swan, letting them know that we're on the same team, that we're together. We're different, we're distinct, but we're one. That they may know that they may know. Sometimes I think the world looks at the church and says, there's too much division. There's too much dissension. There's too much... That may be totally evident. But may the common light in whom we shine be brighter than the difference 
between us. That's in my mindset, in my heart, that the first thing I can't do is to talk about what differentiates us. The first thing I want to do is talk about who unites us. He is the message that we proclaim. It's more about Him than me. The more I talk about Him, the easier it is for them to see that He is King. Can we pray? Father, we want to thank you for your intention and your plan for church community, for church family, for relationship. And Lord, I pray even in this room right now, I I have no doubt that there are apprehensions in our heart, reasons for reluctance even. But I ask right now that your Holy Spirit would do a work. Where there may be pain, would you bring healing? Where there may be fear, would you bring love? Where there may be distrust, would you help nurture trust again? Father, I pray that our church community continues in increasing measure to shine the light of Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.